Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It was God himself that used the apostle Peter to be able to communicate his heart and his will for a group of individuals that were in a time of fear. And these words are words for those of us as well when we find ourselves in that time of fear. I'm going to ask you if you'd read them with me. Everybody, may God bless you richly and grant you increasing freedom from all anxiety and fear. Now, let me say again, this is God's heart and this is God's will for you. In fact, so powerful of these words, we actually prepared a wallpaper. If you'd like to go to our website, you can get this and you can have it on your phone. You can carry it with you. It's certainly our series verse that we'll be using all this month, but it may be something for 2021 that these are going to be God's words that he is going to be speaking personally to you because it is his heart and his will for you. 21 different times, Jesus said this, fear not. He said, I tell you, do not be afraid, which raises for us, at least for me, a tension. It's a tension that I think really deserves our attention. And the tension is this, how can I not be afraid when I've got good reason to be? It's not at times that I have no reason that I'm feeling fear. In fact, God tells us that fear is real. Source is real, the cause is real, the effect is real. It's something that all of us are going to be experiencing in our lives. So how do I not be afraid when I've got reason to be? You're probably familiar with a teeter-totter, right? Um, How many have experienced a teeter-totter. Been been that way. Okay. Um, I read, it's kind of sad actually, that teeter-totters have been now deemed unsafe for playgrounds. Now I got to admit, I might have been part of the reason for that. (laughs) What we did on the teeter-totter, what we did to our friends on the teeter-totter, unsafe. But it's still kind of sad that way. But even though there's teeter-totters no longer on playgrounds for kids, every one of us has a teeter-totter within us. In fact, I'm going to ask you if you would just, you know, take your hands in front of you like this. I'm not going to do this for you because that would be very um, unpleasant for the person next to you. But we're going to have two operative terms for the teeter-totter that's within us. On the one side of the teeter-totter, we're going to put faith. On the other side, we are going to put fear. Okay, ready? Hands out in front of you. If if fear is high, faith is what? Right. If faith is high, fear is? If you ever feel this dynamic going on in you, you got fear and faith and fear and faith. Now, which do you want to have in your life? What makes for better life? Right, and you get to think about how you say this actually. It's when my faith outweighs my fear, when my faith overcomes my fear, that's when life is going to be better for me. 
though it sounds odd if I say, when fear is high and faith is low, right? I mean, that you're just like, wait, I got to think about that. It could be that tonight you would be an individual that would just quite honestly go, guy, if I was being transparent, I would share with you that I really am not a person of faith. And if that's the case, you couldn't have come at a better time. Because the focal individual in the historical story that we're going to look at today also was a person that wasn't an individual of faith. And there's so much that we're going to be able to glean from her in that. So if you happen to have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to take it right now. You can pull it up on your phone. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. In 1 Kings 17, verse number 1, it starts out this way. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, you might be thinking, I don't know this story, and I don't know what is going on right here. So let me just kind of get us all up to speed on this. Elijah is a prophet of God. In fact, he's going to be one of the greatest prophets of God. But this is the very first time he's actually mentioned in the scripture. He just kind of like appears out of nowhere. Ahab that he's speaking to is the king of Israel who has recently married Jezebel. Jezebel is an individual who was known for her, I mean, she was infamous for her ungodliness. I mean, think about this. Anybody ever know anybody who's named their kid Jezebel? I mean, it was like... Her mission in life was to eradicate the worship of Jehovah in Israel and to replace it with Baal worship. Hence, this word from Elijah to Ahab here. Now let's go six months forward to verse number seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. This is about a hundred mile journey on foot. He's going to be outside of the land of Israel. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she's going to get it, he called, and uh, please bring me a piece of bread. The widow replies, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it. And what's the next word? This is intense, is it not? What's going on right now? And it's just kind of just like all just comes, you know, you know just falling out of her at this point. And so Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. I just want to pause there for just a second. How many of you would have done it? How many of you would have taken the last bit of food you had for your child and giving it away to somebody else. 
Are you feeling the teeter-totter going in this individual's life? Faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear. And it's so easy just to read some words in black and white and really miss the real fear that would have been there. Because if she does it, what she's going to have to do is she's going to have to go home and she's going to have to take the last of her flour and pour it into a mixing bowl and the last bit of oil that she has. And then she's going to have to knead it by hand and think about what's going on here. Am I going to eat? Am I going to serve my son? Are we going to eat it? Am I going to give it away? Are we going to eat it? it would, is this thing going to happen? What's going to go on here? She's got to make the fire. She's got to bake the bread. I mean, remember what the smell of baked bread is like. Right? I mean, like, it's so good. And when you're hungry, it is really so good. And you can just feel that teeter-totter moving, or maybe it's not moving at all. Fear is just planted down. It is so outweighing faith at that point. She's then going to take the warm bread in her hand, and she would deliver it to somebody else, knowing there is nothing in the jar and there's nothing in the bottle when she left her house. This is a real battle that's taken place. Elijah said, the Lord God says, the jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the land. One of the problems here, though, is this woman wasn't a follower of the Lord God. She was in a different land, not what we would call a Christian. But verse 15 says, she went away and did what Elijah had told her. So every day for Elijah and the woman and her family, there was food. The jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This is such a cool story. In fact, Jesus references this story in the gospel when he's teaching others. But we gotta think of how crazy these words sounded to her. When Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Can't you see her just spinning on him and saying, how can I not be afraid when I've got a real reason to be? I mean, you think about how her teeter-totter would have felt. Her husband had died. She is left with a child. She's come to the point of being destitute. There is no more food. There is no more hope. What is she going to do? And this story brings to us this important truth. And that is that it's my fear that tests my faith. And for every one of us here tonight, it is our fear, it is my fear that is going to test my faith. And either my faith is going to outweigh and overcome my fear or my fear is going to outweigh and overcome my faith in my life. So we gotta ask, what exactly is this faith? And is just having faith enough? The day in which we live, our prevalent philosophy, way of living here in the U.S. would be um, existentialism. Now, whether you've heard of existentialism or not, it basically says this, that everybody just has to find something that they're going to believe in or have faith in. 
um, their higher power, whatever that's going to be. And when they decide, this is what I'm going to believe in, they need to have faith in it and then live like it is true. Or as the song goes, you just got to have faith, baby. Now, is having sincere faith and deep faith, is having faith in faith going to be enough for us? When we feel, we just have faith that everything is going to work out. You ever talk to somebody like that? I mean, they could, you, know, you can tell they really believe it, that everything is going to work out. And then it doesn't. Because life happens and the worst happens to them and they find themselves devastated. I think the most life-changing, the most hope-giving part of this teaching is in this understanding of just what is faith. What do the scriptures tell us about this? The scriptures say these are the essentials for faith, faith that can outweigh, overcome our fear. The first is that we need to believe that God is. The second essential is the conviction, the understanding, the belief that God keeps his word or God keeps his promises. So if I were to ask you tonight, do you believe that God is and that God keeps his word and keeps his promise? Somebody say like, yeah, I, I believe that, like, right? Um, but this is church. And it's really safe to be able to ask that question and answer that question here. If you're listening online, it's really safe to ask that question and answer it in an environment like this. But there is a third essential that makes up faith or completes biblical faith. And that is Faith is revealed by our actions. In fact, James says it this way, that in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is, want to say it with me? Dead. In other words, faith that isn't attached to action or faith that isn't attached to obedience, connected back to God and what he said, and then doing it, well, that doesn't really account for anything. The woman may have believed, but until she was willing to take the flour and the oil and to empty it into the pan and then give that away to Elijah and then come home to see, is God going to keep his word? Day after day, her faith was tested, right? I've used it all. Is there going to be more the next day? It was her obedience that brought that faith to life that allowed her to experience it. Now, if I were to ask you, how many of you wish that you could experience what the widow of Zarephath experienced with the flour and the oil? I mean, sometimes we're envious, right? But I always say, be careful what you wish for. Because before she ever got to this, she had to lose her spouse. She had to come to the place of absolute Poverty and desperation in her life. Absolute hopelessness. And at that time, God in his grace was allowed to step into her life. It's high probability God's not going to bring to you the flour and the oil for you to have your faith tested. But he has something for all of us. That is a way to experience him and for faith to overcome our fear. Instead of using flour and oil, God uses money in our lives. In fact, 
Look what God says. He says, I am the Lord all-powerful. I just love how he starts that out. And he says, I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% or the tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. And look at this. And then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. And I could ask you, do you believe that God is? Do you believe that God keeps his word? Do you believe that God wants you to put him first with your money? Do you believe that God, if you do honor him with what you've been entrusted with, that he will bless you in your life? Or even in saying this, you begin to feel the teeter-totter going in your life. If you're like, I believe that, I believe God is, I believe he's going to keep his promise, and I'm, and I'm obedient, and I'm acting on it, then this is how it shapes out in your life. Faith overcomes that fear. But for so many, there is this fear. I might not have enough. I don't know if I'm going to see God provide. I'm not sure that this is going to work out for me. I'm not sure this is for my best. And that fear, unfortunately, keeps them from experiencing what God wants them in their life. Now, This is not a message on giving. This is not a message on money. But it's a message to help us to be able to have the faith that's going to actually overcome the fear in our life and to be able to experience the provision that God wants us to do from him. Every week we want to keep things as helpful and as applicable so we can take God's word and use it when we go out. So what I want to encourage everybody to do is either to, on a piece of paper or on a post-it note, I love post-it notes because once you're done, you can put it in a place that it's really easy to be seen that way. But on this piece of paper, what I want you to do is to write two things. On the top, I want you to write, my fear says... And when you put down, what is it that your fear is telling you? What is it the fear that you're facing? What is the anxiety that you're going through in your life? And this is where things can get really real. I mean, we can just kind of gloss over things and say, I'm afraid that, and we could use something, um, you know, really safe, you know. I'm afraid that I might not live to 100. Or we can say, my fear says, that you are going to get sick, that you are going to give a sickness to somebody else. Your fear may be work-related right now. Your fear may be relationship-related right now. Your fear may be of failing in your life, and it is paralyzing you from moving ahead. If you will put in here, what is it that the fear that you are facing right now is, that fear that is pegging the teeter-totter like this, then you can say, and then what does my God say? And God gives us promises. He gives us word to be able to help with what it is our fear says. For example, um, one of the 3,000, yes, I said there's 3,000 different promises in the Bible. One of them, Isaiah chapter 41, says this, don't be afraid. For I am with you, promise of God. He says, don't be discouraged because I am your God and I will strengthen you and I will help you. If you put that promise in there, this is what God says. So when you see this, you see this. And you can feel that teeter-totter begin to shift in your life that way. 
God tells us, Romans 10, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more of God's word that we know, the more that we're going to be able to weight our faith and respond to what it is that God's asking to us. It's like in the month of February when our groups are starting out, you may be at the place where you're just kind of like beginning to learn. What is it that the scriptures you know, um, say I'm really not familiar with it. There's a group for you. You may be kind of in that, like, I'm I'm looking for a study in this or that, or you may be well advanced, and you're going to go into advanced biblical studies. But I can tell you this, that if you are in and learning what it is that God says to you, you're going to have what you need to be able to answer that question. Pastor Rob last week gave a great tool to us. I'm just going to refer back to it. On the YouVersion Bible app, it's when we get our verse of the day from, there is a little search bar at the bottom. And you could just type in there, my fear, you know, my fear of sickness, my fear of financial ruin, my fear of hopelessness, my fear of failure. You just put that in there, and you're going to see some of the promises of God that are coming up there. You can write those on your card. You can get this here. And when you ask that question, How can I not be afraid when I've got real reason to be in my life? I'm coming back here and I'm reading. This is what God says to me. And with the picture that we're working with, it really may seem right now that coming up with enough faith to overcome the fear you have in your life, that's just all on you. And it's a lot of work. And you're going like, I've been, you know, like I'm, I, I'm trying, I'm not sure I can come up with enough to overcome my fear. Which is why this is such good news. And that is that God provides for us what it is that we will need to be able to have the faith that it takes if we'll just obey it. I want you to think about it. God sent Elijah a hundred mile journey just to be able to come to this widow. God took what the widow had, and it wasn't much. Little of this, little of this, but he took what she had, provided everything that she needed to be able to have the faith to be able to overcome that fear in her life. And it does get better. If we'd read on, almost three years, she experienced the refilling of the jar, the refilling of the oil, and providing for them. Almost three years. But that still wasn't enough for her to come to a saving or a trusting relationship, what we would call today, for her to become a Christian. And so you know what God did? He gave another miracle in her life. He provided for her. And at that, the chapter ends with these words. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. In other words, I know everything that I need right now. This is how God works. That God takes his word and he uses it from one person to another person. In fact, when God used Elijah to take the word that she needed to not be afraid. It is a model that Jesus continued to build upon. There are people all over our community, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, and they need to hear these words, don't be afraid. But 
Who's going to tell them? And it is us. God wants to use us. He wants to use his church. He wants to use us in this room now to be able to take his word and share it with somebody else. And then God will do that work in their life. It's really kind of three, three groups. One of three that we're going to find ourselves in here tonight. It could be, as we said at the beginning, that you'd identify yourself as a person that really doesn't have any faith at all. You come in and you go like, I really don't have faith, guy. And to you, God's word is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross and in his resurrection, not only for the forgiveness of your sins, to do what you can't do yourself, but to bring you into a living relationship with God, and you will call on Jesus as your savior, you will experience the personal working of God in your life, and faith will come alive. Now, it could be that your person, you'd go like, I got a little faith, but I can't say that I've got much right now. My teeter-totter, it is constantly, I mean, it is just constantly going like this. And to you, Jesus would say this, don't be afraid, but just have faith. In other words, will you do what it is that you know God is asking you to do? Will you obey what he is asking you to do? Even though you don't have a lot of faith, if you'll just do that, a little faith, Jesus said, will move a mountain of fear. Do you believe God is? That he keeps his word? Will you do what he's asking you to do? Now, it could be that you're a person tonight of great faith. I don't know if I'd call myself a person of great faith, but I like to believe that I have strong faith. And if that would be something you go like, yeah. So you don't have to worry about this, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> the truth is the same, that my fear tests my faith. I can tell you in 2020 that my fear has tested my faith in a couple of great ways. And fear will always rise to the occasion to put that testing to our faith. That's why, to the person of strong faith, we need to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. We need to be active in that because there is a fear coming that we are going to need the faith to overcome it with. So how do I not be afraid when I've got reason to be? Jesus said to a couple, and they were, in their, they were experiencing their worst fear possible. He said this, don't be afraid, only have faith. And in saying that, he was saying, you believe God is? You believe God keeps his word? Will you do what God has asked you to do? Then you will experience the working of God, that which overcomes the fear in our lives. So when we have reason to be afraid. We have faith that overcomes that fear with the peace of God and the working of God in our lives.
Would you take your fear to God? Would you fill out the card? This is what my fear says. This is what my God says. And will you act on it this week? Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you not only tell us, but you help us. And for those that are here tonight, Jesus, not a lot of faith, but enough. Enough now to ask you to be their Lord and Savior. To believe that you died for them, that you rose again, and that you will forgive them, that you will make them a child of God tonight if they will simply ask you now. And I want to ask you, is that you? How many times would say, guy, I haven't received Jesus, but I'm ready to receive Jesus. I'd like to receive Jesus. Can I ask you, would you just lift up a hand, wherever you're at, saying, guy, that's me tonight? Yeah, okay, thanks. Any, anyone else? Jesus, for this, you've given yourself. And I pray that his saving grace again goes forth, that it'll inspire the rest of us to be able to take the faith that we have in you, in your word, and now to put it to action in our lives so that we can overcome that which is bringing us this fear. And may you get all of the praise and glory. Give us wisdom to be able to share it this week with those that need it. In your name we pray, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.